Hi, thanks for checking out this message from our River Valley Church family here in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages and inspires you. For more messages, be sure to check out our other podcasts. For more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. All right, all you crazy kids, find your seat now. Going back to my youth pastoring days. Man, it's so good to be together. How many of you guys are glad to be here this morning? Okay, there's about three that raised their hand. Let's try that again. How many of you guys are glad to be here this morning? Ah, there you go. Man, I'm so glad to be back together with you. I hope you enjoyed some time off with your family over the holidays. And we know that those times can be both fun and stressful. Anybody experience a little bit of both? Yeah, that's real life. But we're so glad to be back together as a church family and are excited about where God's taking us in this season that's ahead of us as a church. And um, we're just grateful. We're grateful to be a part of a church community that knows how to seek God, um, but is also looking forward to the journey of, of what He has ahead of us. And today we want to take just a few minutes, and we're going to lead us into this year with some vision and mission. Okay, we're going to we're going to help set our hearts on a course. Emily and I get the privilege of of, of doing that today, um, and we want to we want to set some some alignment with our heart and our minds, and with how we kind of orchestrate our year. And we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that this morning as we get into this message, but we as a church family always begin our year with 21 days of really seeking God together. And so from today until the 29th, not good with math, uh, the 29th, we are going to enter into a season that we call 21 days of prayer and fasting. And it's just a time for us to really pursue God. We'll talk a little bit more about that in the message this morning, but I just want to encourage you, for some people when they hear that, they're like, yeah, I'm out. That's crazy. What's wrong with you people? And can I just tell you that the seasons of seeking that we get to enter into in pursuit of God are always the richest moments in our life. Um, and so I want to challenge you to set aside, to tithe the first part of your year into seeking God. And here's what I promise you. If you will, if you will diligently approach the next 21 days, that doesn't mean be perfect. It just means diligently pursue the heart of God. If you will pursue God over these next 21 days, I promise you, it will bring incredible benefit to this year that's ahead of you guys um, and for us as a church family. So we want to invite you into that um, and help you kind of uh, grab a hold of the things that God has for you as we start this new year. Uh, last week, I, I preached a message for those of you that watched it online, um, and, and we, we delve into the, this place in Scripture that's an incredible prophetic word um, that God spoke over the church and really over the body um, and gave us this beautiful picture through the prophet Ezekiel. Now, how many of you guys have read the book of Ezekiel? A few of us. It is not the most exciting book in the Bible, okay? But there are some poignant, powerful things that we see in this. And last week, I opened up um, Ezekiel 47 to us, and it was a prophecy about the presence of God flowing from the temple of God, and it creates this incredible river. And there's this beautiful thing that takes place through that prophecy where, where the Son of Man, in, in other words, the picture of this man, was invited to take deeper and deeper steps into the river of God, into the presence of God. And I just want to make this bold declaration over you today. God is inviting you into some deeper places in Him. 
And Emily's going to, she's got a little quote for us. I'm going to put a cliffhanger here. A little quote for us at the end of this that will help you picture that in your mind. But God has a destination for you. And can I tell you, it's not standing on the shore. It's stepping deeper into the things that He wants to do in our lives this week. And so He's invited us to follow Him into these wonderful places. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what that looks like today. We're going to talk about some vision, mission, and really where that's going to take us. Yeah, so I always like to clarify, I, maybe this is only me, but sometimes I forget what is vision and what is mission. So just that quick reminder, our mission is why we exist And our vision is where we're going. So I think that's always just a good reminder as we talk about vision and mission to remember the value and the importance of knowing both of those things in our lives. And so the great thing for us as Christians and followers of Jesus is that this is already established. We don't have to guess. We don't have to figure it out. We already have it established in Scripture. And so we know that he's called us um, to go deeper with him and to follow and live this Jesus-shaped life. And so our goal is to talk about today how we're following the Jesus way and what is the Jesus way. So in reality, how many of you, I just just have to stop. Isn't she beautiful? (laughs) I'm just sitting there watching her talk. I'm sorry. Some of you guys are like, what? That's not part of the, it's not part of the message, but I'm just. Actually, I wrote it in the notes. (laughs) No, No, I just, can I just tell you, sometimes in moments in life, we just need to stop for a second and then just appreciate. And I'm so grateful for my wife and um, just the gift that she is, not only to me, but to us. And um, it's a real privilege to get to sit up here and teach with her and and preach God's word with her. And um, I love you. Um, That's not where Jesus was leading us this morning, but apparently it's where he was leading us this morning. You know, as we follow Jesus, um, this this is a reality for, for us to really get deep into our hearts, that Jesus is leading us somewhere. He's leading us somewhere. And, and what we're, what our responsibility to do is simply to follow, to follow. And so today I want to give you three spaces as a church family that we're going to follow Jesus into over this, this period of time. We're talking, this is vision for us, and we're going to talk about the visional component. And here, here's the first space, that we're going to follow Jesus deeper in love. I want you to take a moment and write that down. For those of you that aren't note takers, be a note taker. It's good for you. Um, We're going to follow Jesus deeper in love. The first thing Jesus will do is to lead you deeper in love with the Father and with those that are around you. Now, I just want to say this straight up here. Jesus is all about love. If there's any question about that, I want you to listen to what Matthew chapter 22, and Matthew chapter 22 right here, verse 36, is what sets the vision for River Valley, for who we are as a church, and we preach it a lot, and the reason is, is because this is what Jesus preached a lot. So I'm not going to stray far from what he, he was inviting us into, and here's what it says, Matthew chapter 22, they're trying to trick Jesus in this moment. The Pharisees are really trying to get him to mess up. And so they asked Jesus a very pointed question, what's the most important commandment? What's the most important thing? What is our why? What what should we be doing with our lives? And Jesus didn't skip a beat. He didn't hesitate for a moment. Here's what he says. You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then he follows it up with this. 
And second is equally important. Not inferior, equally important. It's love and love, right? He says, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. And really, it's one command, love. Love. Love's the foundation and the very atmosphere of following Jesus. I don't know how to explain this anymore in our lives. If you're following Jesus, you're becoming a more loving person every day of your life. For some of us, we sit back and go, oh, that's a tall order. Can I just tell you, it's not based on your ability. It's not even based on your intellect. It's not based on your gifting or your calling. Becoming a more loving person is based on your proximity to love itself, Jesus. And so we get this incredible opportunity to follow Jesus deeper into love. Yeah, I, uh, throughout my relationship with the Lord, I've asked this question, how do I love him, right? What does that, what does that look like? How do I grow in love? And it's been part of my journey, and I'm assuming all of our journeys, right, is how do we love him more? What does that look like? What does that mean? How can we show him that love deeper and greater? We see so much is unlocked for us as Christians, and we love him more. And what we see around us is people loving just about anything else but God, right? So we love ourselves. We love money, careers, uh, our cars, investments, our houses, you know, vacations. I like vacations. <laughs> um, sometimes you'll even see people who really love a, a great, um, like a humanitarian effort or a great cause. That's a good thing, that, but they end up loving that more than they're loving God. And so it's, it's something we really do need to take some inventory of in our hearts and look at our lives pretty regularly to determine what am I loving in this season of life. Because as we all know, we ebb and flow. We all have seasons where we're on point and we have seasons where we're, we get a little detoured for whatever reason. And so I think the really cool thing that I have just really discovered though is our love is just about one of the only gifts that we actually have to give back to God. Um, there's, he, he, you know, we don't have to love him. We don't. He's given us free choice and free will. We, we don't have to love him. It's not something required of us, um, but it's something that we get to do. And it's just a real privilege that this is something that we get to give to him is our love. And so I think we need to remember that this is something that maybe one of the only things that we get to give back to him when he's given us so much, he's given us everything. And so it's so important to know that this is important um, and such a really special space that we get to, to give our love back to him and, and to show him that we love him and care for him. And I think one of the most simple illustrations in scriptures of this way of loving him and what that looks like is found in Luke chapter 10. If you want to turn to it, you can jump to it now. Um, and it's in verse 38 is where we're going to start. And it's, it's Jesus. He's at a home of some friends, and he's talking. He's specifically, we're talking about Mary and Martha. I know most of you have heard this story before, but we'll read it. So uh, verse 38 starts at, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing, and she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and to help me. 
But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. And I, I like to just go back a little bit. Just so you know, neither of them were doing anything wrong. Martha wasn't doing anything wrong, preparing food for everybody. <laughs> Maybe everybody actually appreciated her more <laughs> that was in the house with them. I don't know. But I think what's really cool is looking at that last line, though, Jesus was saying that, but, but pause and look, this, Mary has found what's most important. And that's where she's investing her energy. And in the Passion Translation, verse 42 uses these words. It says, Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted, and I won't take this privilege away from her. Sorry, I'm emotional this morning. <laughs> but, you know, we live in a culture and a day and age where we're distracted. Like, constantly, we could barely keep our thoughts together for a few minutes. We're t- conversations with people, and we're glancing down at our phones or or looking out and, and noticing people. We all love to people watch. <laughs> and we live in a culture of, of being distracted. And I think as we pursue this place of loving God more and going deeper with him, that we want to really consider how can we become undistracted in our love of him? How can we remove some of those distractions and really fine-tune our focus so that we can have that privilege of loving him and giving him that love back? And I think one of I teach kids. Y'all know that I've worked with children a lot. And one of my favorite pictures that I've had in this space is a picture of reading a book to a children. And and when I've got a group of kids around me and I've pulled up the storybook, I first arrange them systematically and they have their spots. And if they all stay in their spots, they're all going to be able to see the picture, I promise. And we'll go through the book together. But, you know, I start reading, and I pretty soon they're getting closer and closer, and they're cramming together. And pretty soon, by the end of the book, they're on my lap. They're, like, grabbing the book. They're, <laughs> they're in it. And I think this is the picture, though, of our love for Jesus, is Mary wanted to get as close to him as possible. She wanted to sit at his feet and be undistracted in her pursuit. And for her, that meant getting as close and closer and as close as possible. And I think this is just a really beautiful illustration of what that looks like for us in our love for him. And it's so important to sit at his feet um, and to spend time noting to know him. And these moments like the season we're getting ready to enter into is a merry moment. I just want to paint a picture for you. It's, it's, a, it's an opportunity for us to choose. We get to choose whether we're going to Martha it and we're just going to keep doing everyday life, normal how it is, doing and I'm not telling you don't do your dishes, but doing your dishes. And, or are we going to, and I love that, that word that was in there, Mary was undistracted. In other words, she was so enamored and in love with Jesus that in his presence, she was just fixing. Like, as cool as Martha probably was, Mary was so set on, I'm just going to sit with Jesus. And can I just tell you, <clears throat> it will it will annoy some of the people that you're around. It will be confusing to them. As we take seasons of seeking God, as we take seasons of growing our love to deeper depths with Him, it's going to be a little bit annoying and weird for the people that you're around because they're busy doing the distracting things. And what God invites us into is these moments of love relationship with Him that if we don't take the time to slow down and pursue Him in, then we miss out on these love moments. We miss out on what, and I want to remind you, Jesus said was most important. 
He didn't say it was wrong for Martha to be doing housework and preparing a meal. He just said what was most important in that moment was to seek after Him, was to come and sit at His feet. And that's, that's the beautiful work of love being developed in Mary's heart, right? And this is the work. I, I just want to say this to you this morning. If you're following Jesus, you are becoming a more loving person. And I say that as directly as I possibly can, because the greatest work of God in you is that you become more like Him. He is love. And so as we follow Jesus, we're following Him deeper into the spaces of both loving Him and loving others as well. Did you have something you wanted? Oh, you jump in, babe. Go, go. I'm off off the notes now. <laughs> Sorry. Um. I just want to add on an even more practical note, in order to love someone, you have to know them. And so I just, I want to give you that little practical note. I'm a, I love practical feedback, the how to, the how to's, the hands on, that's something that I love and, and find a lot of joy in. So you have to know him in order to love him. And so if you're going, okay, that's great, but I really still don't know how to love him. Like, what is, what does that mean? What does that look like next? I just want to encourage you, you have to know him. And we've been given the amazing resource of the Bible, which is his word, and that is our greatest way to know him. And so I want to encourage you, if that's where you're at, like I, I don't know where to really start in this, I'm going to encourage you to start in your Bible and read about him, yeah. know him. And in Deuteronomy, I was working actually on a message I get to share to the youth next month. And I was in Deuteronomy chapter 11, and I was reading, um, we've all heard this portion probably, but it says, you shall put the words of mine in your heart and soul. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead, teach them to children, talk about them when you're home, when you're away, when you lie down, when you rise. And what I'm seeing in this picture is just do about everything possible to get his words around you. So he's saying, put them on your hand. Maybe a little tattoo is what he's referring to back then. I don't know, you know, how, how that looked exactly culturally, but, but write them out on your hand. So every time you reach for something, you see his words. He's saying, put them on your forehead. So every time we look at our face in a mirror, we see his word, right? He says, putting it on the doorpost of your home, put it on your gate. Every time you're in and you're out, every time you walk to your house, you see his words. Is saying that when you're on vacation, when you're away, talk about it. When you're at home, talk about it. When you lie down to go to bed, talk about it. And what we see is this is where his promise rests, and this is where we get to love him, is by knowing him. And we know him by being intentional, intentional at his word and knowing him in his word. So it's proximity. It's proximity. In fact, if you actually look in the history of the Jewish culture, they would actually take the Scripture and the Word of God and wrap it around their hands and actually bound it to their foreheads. Like it was, they took this like, not kind of like figuratively, they took it literally. And can I just tell you, maybe we need to take some more of this a little bit more literal in our life. This coming nearer to Him, this His Word activated in our lives. And maybe we need to be a little bit more intentional. But at the end of today, we're going to give you guys an opportunity to just to, to, to have a very physical representation of that, like that in your life. These black bracelets that I wear here, they're just little rubber bracelets, and on them they say pray first. And so we, we at the beginning of our year, we hand them out to everybody and just say, hey, put that on your wrist, and it will remind you as you reach forward. It will remind you as you do your work. It will remind you when you get frustrated. All these spaces to pray for, to seek Him, to draw near to Him, to put His Word in your mouth, to put His Word around you, right? It's this place of Mary drawing close to Jesus. Why? Because of love. 
because of love. And we're learning to love Him more and more each day. Jesus modeled this to us, church. Jesus modeled to us what it was like to live a life in pursuit of the Father. Luke chapter 6, and we're not going to throw up on the screen, but Luke chapter 6 says that, that Jesus, one day he, he went out to the mountain, he spent time with the Father. He came down from the mountain, spent time with his disciples, and then with the disciples, he took them out and went did ministry. What is that? That is the model of how we are to live our lives. It's called a Jesus-shaped life. Jesus built his up relationship with the Father, his in relationship with the people that are around him, and his out relationship with the world and the community to hear about the good news. Why did, what did Jesus start with? Up, good, good. He started, he started out of love relationship with the Father, and here's what Jesus said, follow me in that. Follow me, and I'm showing you how to build your life. Follow me into love relationship with the Father. And so we want to do that. We want, we want to position ourselves in such a way that we are building our love relationship. We're, going, we're following Jesus deeper in love. Can you say amen to that? So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna lead that way this year. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to follow Jesus into mission. What is mission? Mission is what we do. It's what Jesus did, right? And so we want to have clarity on that. Our, our, our why is because of love. The, the how, the what we're doing is we want to live on mission with Jesus. And can I just tell you this again? It's, Jesus didn't make this complicated. He just invited us into it. Everybody take a big, deep breath this morning. There you go. I just need your focus back in on where we're headed here. Okay, we're going to follow Jesus deeper into mission. As we love Jesus, listen, we are going to follow him. And he made clear the missional, the purpose, why we exist for each one of us. Clear in his scripture. Matthew chapter 28. I love this passage of scripture. You're going to hear me preach on this for the rest of my life because I believe it is the calling of every Christian. Every follower of Jesus, if you want to know what your calling is, I'm about ready to declare it over your life. Here's what it says. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given you all authority in heaven and on earth. Why could Jesus give all authority? Because he had all authority. You can only give authority if you have it. And Jesus said, I've been given all authority. Here you go. I'm giving it to you. And then this is what he says. This is the calling upon your life. And I'm going to unpack this here in just a second for us. It says, therefore, go. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations or people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, let me unpack this for you for just a second here. When Jesus said go, Jesus was not in his mind going Africa, Asia. No, 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 no. In fact, the, the, the wordage here, the, the verbiage, if we were to break it down, it actually means as you go, as you go. So let me give you a picture of this. As you go to work, as you go to school, as you go home, as you go to church, as you, as you, as you, wherever you find yourself, make disciples. Whatever, wherever place these two things take you, make a disciple. 
as you go into your community, as you go to the grocery store, as you go make disciples. This is not a curriculum that you follow. This is a place that you are at. It's the very outflow of your life and mine. It is not an assignment to a nation. It's not an assignment to a missions trip. It's not, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, as you go, wherever you go, your calling is to make disciples. You with me? So for clarity's sake for us, and, and, and do you know why Jesus ended it by saying, and I'm with you always? Not because we needed peace of mind or anything in that. It's because most of us will say, I don't know how to make a disciple. And Jesus says, don't worry about it. I'm with you. Some of us are laughing because we've said those things to God. I I mean, that's somebody else's job to make a disciple. I'm new at that. I don't know what to do. And Jesus is saying, hey, hey, you guys, don't worry about it. I'm with you. I will show you. I will teach you. Just follow my lead. But I don't have a Bible college degree, Jesus. I didn't go to seminary. I did Jesus say, hey, 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 I am with you. I'm the rabbi, the teacher. I will show you how to make disciples. It's this beautiful picture of what Jesus is saying here. And then he just reminds them, I'm with you. Now, now go. Everywhere. Go. Teaching. Playing football. Playing basketball. Whatever you're doing, your calling in that moment is to make disciples. And and. Let me help you do this, because we wrestle with this in church culture today. I can't tell you how much I hear from people, I just need to figure out my calling in God. I'm not sure what to do with myself. I don't, I don't know how to contribute here or contribute there, and, and I, just need, I just need to know my calling. Can I just tell you, the, there's only one person that provides calling. It's Jesus. And Jesus' call to every one of us was to come follow Him and to go make disciples. That was his call. Now, let me bring some clarity because all of you are going, well, that's, that seems weird because we all have different gifts and talents. Yes, there's one calling, many different assignments. Your assignment is different than my assignment. And I'll trade you right now. If you want to come up here and finish this up, knock yourself out. <laughs> but your assignment is different. Your workplace, that's your assignment. Your family, that's your assignment. Your grocery store that you go to, that's your assignment. That team that you're coaching, that's your assignment. That's not your calling. Your calling is to make disciples. That's my calling too. It's amazing. Why do I know this? Because this is the instruction that Jesus gave to all of his disciples. That's the calling of God in your life. If you ever wonder, if you're ever wrestling with calling, all you have to do is go back to Matthew chapter 28 and your calling will be clarified. Go make disciples everywhere you go. Everything you do, just teach them how to follow Jesus. Tim, I don't know how to do that. Don't worry about it. Jesus is with you. And you're like, well, that seems like a really Christian statement. It is. And I just want to say something to you right now. If Jesus is not enough being with you, there will never be enough for you. Ever. Now, does that mean that we don't do the work of learning how effectively to make disciples? No, we... We're, we're going to do that a lot as a church family. We're going to give you some tools and some skills. and We need that. But here's what I, what I want to remind you. What you really need is just Jesus. He's walked with you. You can walk with somebody else. So this calling that God's put upon us as a church is to go and make disciples. 
And, and as we follow Jesus, we're going to follow Him in His mission. That was Jesus' singular mission, was to connect people to the kingdom of God. And can I just tell you, that's our singular mission, to go make disciples of Jesus. He takes care of the work in our lives, in our hearts. He does that work in us. But church, we've got to be really clear on what our calling is. And so I just want to say it one more time over you today. Your calling is to go make disciples. Every one of us. And what a joyous journey that will be for all of our lives. Your assignment, uh-huh, that's where you get to figure some things out with God and some of the people that you're around, is to figure out where's my assignment in that. Okay? And so as a church family, we want to follow Jesus deeper into His mission. You know, um, it, the scripture we read earlier in the message, it says that we love God and love people. We, we can't just stop at loving God. And, that, and that's what he's saying is, is there's that first component. Yes, it's the most important component of loving God. But we, we can't just erase the bottom half of loving people. And I specifically remember early, um, I don't even know, teens, early 20s, in, a, in times of the Lord, I had gotten into a season where I just was really loving times of worship, devotion, journaling. And I remember, and I you know, have a more introverted personality. For those of you who don't know me super well, I've always thought going and living in a hut somewhere by myself sounds amazing. And I even have thought, is there female monks? I don't know. But <laughs> I don't know what that says about me, but <laughs> but I just you know that's always been a space of like I'll just I'll just pray and focus and love you, Lord. And and one time I remember the Lord speaking to me in a prayer time and saying, Emily, you're acting like an only child. And I was like, darn it. <laughs> and as you know, we all don't when we get corrected, we have that little initial feeling of like, oh, you know. But it's really true. Like we're called to love people, and we can't forget the second part. And how we love people the best is through discipleship, taking them on that journey towards Jesus. And so that is our calling, like Tim said. And so this month, as we're going um, into this time of prayer and fasting, our last area that we're challenging you to go deeper with Jesus is in prayer and fasting. And so like uh, today we start, like Tim already shared, and it is 21 days, and we know that that can feel really intimidating and maybe new for a lot of people too. So we're going to do a quick teaching here on what fasting is um, and its value for you. So in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 through 18, you can turn there if you're following along. I'm going to read the scripture, and we're going to talk just briefly about it as we exit today. So it says, and when you fast... Uh, just a quick note that that's an assumed thing. It wasn't like if you fast, right? He says, and when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, instead comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice your fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. So fasting is this beautiful combination of prayer and, and eliminating some distractions in our life. If I, could, if I could give you the best picture of what fasting is, it's eliminating some of the distractions in your life so that your attention can be on Him, okay? I want you to just think about this in your relationship with people that are around you. Um, when you go out to dinner and say you're, you're, you're going on a date night or, or something like that, and you go out to a restaurant and there's TVs that are in that restaurant, can that be a distraction? Absolutely. 
you're there intentionally on a date to grow in your love with that other person, but there's things that are vying for your attention. The majority of time, the thing that's vying for the most attention is sitting in your pocket, in your hand, or on the table in front of you, right? We, we know this. this is, we're experiencing this in our culture today. This is what fasting is all about, and they, they were experiencing it in their time. I just want you to understand, fasting is not like only for modern-day folks because we're so distracted by the things of life. No, everybody has experienced it. In fact, we see it in the Old Testament. God gave these really beautiful pictures and taught the children of Israel these moments and season of fasting. And sometimes they were corporate fasts where the whole nation of Israel would be called to a season of fasting. Oftentimes that was because they were facing something really bad. Something funky was about ready to happen. And so the, the leaders of the nation would call them into a season of prayer and fasting. Um, and seeking God. Uh, there's other times, that's, that's something we see in Daniel chapter 9, and, and you guys can look some of these things up in Scripture if you want. Esther 4.16 is a space where Esther's getting ready to go, uh, go before the king, and if, if she does it in a wrong way, she's going to die, right? And so the, the, the children of Israel called to a season of fasting and prayer for her to be able to have favor to go before the king. In Joel 2, there's this beautiful calling to the children of Israel to turn their hearts back to God. And how do they do it? They call a season of fasting and prayer. It does something on the inside of us. That's a corporate space. There's also some individual spaces of fasting and prayer that draw us into places of deeper communion with Him. We see the same thing in the early church in the book of Acts. Multiple times, Acts 13 and Acts 14, where God, uh, the, the uh, early church was fasting and praying for leaders to send out to plant other churches, and they were seeking direction in those types of things. Um, there was a time when Paul and Barnabas were appointing leaders in the local church, so getting ready to set in a new pastor or a new leader in a local church, and the church body would fast and pray together. Okay, there was times where we see all throughout Scripture where individuals would fast in their relationship with God. They were eliminating things and drawing closer to Him. And so fasting is a spiritual discipline that God gives us precedent in the Word for, and what it does is it prepares our hearts to draw closer to Him. And fasting, and again, I just, I just keep hearing this, the best word picture I can give to you is eliminating some of the distractions that would normally take up your time and attention in your life and focusing those moments in. So, so here's, here's what I do want to challenge you. And fasting, specifically fasting food without prayer is a diet. Fasting media and social media in your life, just, just for the sake of fasting, without replacing that with prayer or drawing closer to God, is for some of you just torture. <laughs> right? It's revealing some things in us, but let's be real. Like, so, so, we don't just eliminate things in our lives to eliminate things in our lives. We eliminate them so that we can take that time and invest it into drawing closer to Him. Is there anything wrong with dieting? No, feel free to do that anytime you want. That's not what these 21 days are for. It can be a great catalyst for that. But what I'm telling you is, is that, that fasting without prayer, so whatever you choose to fast, if you choose to say, hey, I'm going to take a lunch hour, and I'm, for the next 21 days, my lunches are going to be dedicated to spending some time with God, then spend some time with God. Don't get on your phone and spend time on your phone. Don't get in a conversation with your coworker. Like, take that time and just get away and spend time with Him. Does that make sense? And fasting is this beautiful principle that we see throughout Scripture for us. He took part in my section. I did. Guilty. <laughs> Teasing. Uh, but we do really want to just 
help bring peace to people's hearts because we know that this is a new space for some people or it's a new, just they haven't done it much. And we all, including us, have experienced those moments of like, we do not want to fast, you know, and, and what are we going to fast? And do we really want to fast? And what's the easiest thing to fast, you know? <laughs> We've all had those moments. I remember when our kids were little, we asked them one time what they wanted to fast. And I think it was Tugger who told us water. And we're like, that's not an option. You don't get to, to fast drinking water, you know? Um, so, or vegetables. You know how kids, their minds work really well in this space. <laughs> but... Um, you know, we just want to really encourage you, this doesn't have to be food or meals. It can be, like Tim said, social media. In our home, there's fasting video games. There's fasting electronics. Uh, some of our kiddos are just choosing to fast candy. Um, and so there's a lot of different spaces in this that you can lean into. And I think just to really emphasize what Tim has shared, and over the years that we have fasted, there's been many years where my 21-day fast has just been awful, and frankly, I don't think anything was fruitful in it or came from it. And what I've learned is it's really true that if you're not replacing that time with prayer, it is pointless, and it will just be awful, and you'll hate it every single moment of the fast. So you, you really do want to be intentional, actually even more intentional about what you're doing to replace that time than being intentional necessarily about what you're choosing. So don't get so caught up on what you're choosing to abstain from for 21 days. Focus more on what you're doing to get in space of those things because that's where you're going to have fruit in that time of fasting. That's where you're going to find joy and peace and God's presence is going to be rich in those moments um, is, is when you do that. And so I think a lot of us, and maybe especially us females, but you go into the first year, you're like, I'm going to lose some weight. I'm going to get back on my routine. And so it's, since we're doing it in the beginning of the year, sometimes we, we end up melding those two things, right? We're like, well, we're fasting, but I also want to lose weight and, and meet my health goals. And I just want to really encourage you to separate those two things. It's okay to go into the new year with goals, health goals. It's a great thing. I, I do it. But really separate those two things and make sure that they are defined, what one is a health goal and which one is something that is you're dedicating to the Lord because if it just falls in that health goal category, like it is, it's not the same thing and it won't be fruitful and you will wrestle in those spaces because there's tension there when you're disguising something that's, that's not meant to be disguised in that way. Can I just, we're just going to have a family moment. For a Can I tell you what's happening right now? We're pastoring you. We're, we're leading you into some, maybe some new spaces for your life. And sometimes those spaces can feel scary. For some of you, maybe you've fasted and been a part of these things in the past, and, and you're going, ah, eh. can, can I just in, invite you this morning to come and, and follow Jesus deeper into the water? Deeper into the water. And, he, and here's what the devil would love for you to do. He'd love for you to get legalistic about your fast. <clears throat> he would love for you to, to make it all about the thing and not all about him. Um. He would love to get you into 21 days of fasting and have you, quote unquote, fail or make a mistake in the process and you just be like, I'm done. And can I just tell you, that is never the heart of Jesus. Jesus' heart is just to invite you closer. And if you get into your fast and for some reason you, you mess up on something that you're doing in your fast, can I just challenge you? Just start over again. Right then and there. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I, I just totally spaced that today. And you know what happens in those moments? His grace rushes to you in that space. And you can go, yeah, I'm going to start new right now, here in this moment. I'm going to come after you, Jesus. And, and can I give you one more piece of advice, too, with fasting and prayer? 
Don't compare yourself to other people around you. It's the biggest trap that you'll get in. The devil is, is a dirtbag in this area. Like, he just wants you to compare yourself spiritually to all the other people that you're not spiritual enough to do X, Y, and Z. No, what you're supposed to do is follow Jesus where he's leading you. That's a meal a day, awesome. If that's just the social media space of your life, he just needs, he's wanting that distraction out of you, just follow him in that. And as you fellowship with other people who are going through their journey of fasting, encourage them. Don't compare with them. Just encourage them in their journey, right? Because we do this corporately together as a church family so that we can find strength in one another in this journey. I, I would strongly encourage you, you should set up some times of individual fasting and prayer throughout your year. But we do this corporately together as a church to strengthen one another, but also so that we can align ourselves with what God wants to do in this upcoming year ahead of us. So I wanna, we're just going to finish up our time here today. We've, we've tried to set some, some vision and mission inside of you today. We've tried to, to call you into this place that we we're going to follow Jesus deeper into the presence of God, deeper in love, deeper in mission, deeper in our commitment to prayer and fasting. And all of these things are part of the rhythms of following Jesus in our lives. And so there's nothing strange about any of this. It's just a new level, a deeper place that the Lord's inviting you to. I can't tell you what that is for your life. But what I can encourage you to do is to follow Him in the things that He's instructing you in in your life. And as you go throughout your 21 days, be open to the fact that He might want to change His mind through that. He might speak to you some other things that He's drawing you deeper into. We're going to be gathering here together on Saturday mornings, 10 a.m., just for an hour of prayer together. And we, we do that every time we enter into these seasons of, of fasting and prayer. I want to encourage you to come. Bring your kids. And, and I'm not saying that to be like, oh, your kids will come and sleep on the ground. No, they'll come and have a blast. We, we put prayer requests on the platform up here, and we pray over them. We teach our kids how to pray. We do some corporate prayer together. We just we join together in the place of seeking God. 10 a.m. Sunday mornings or, or Saturday mornings right here. We want you to come and be a part of that. They're a great, great time together as we fellowship with God. The other thing I want to encourage you to do is inside of our church center app, there's a group under the group section called prayer. And as we go into these seasons of prayer, you can just kind of jump into that group, and we'll be posting things out there for you to jump into um, and pray for one another in. Um, it also opens you up to some of the other prayer requests that happen inside of our church. And the final thing I want to challenge you in is one of these things today. How many of you guys got these when you walked in? As a church family, we have a, a prayer kind of guide on how we're going to go through the next 21 days. And every day, we have some specific things that we're going to be praying for. So we just want to invite you into that. Tomorrow, we, we, we kick off um, stepping into, and we do this with all of our prayer times, is praying the way that Jesus taught us how to pray. Maybe you think that might be a good idea. Okay, so we're going to do that. So we take the first week, and we pray through the Lord's Prayer together and let God lead us in those moments. And then the subsequent weeks, we have other things that we'll be praying for, our, our city, our our neighbors, our, the lost in, around us, all those things. And so I want to challenge you as you're getting up in the morning, get your prayer guide out and just pray for a few minutes into these areas and let that be the tone of your heart as you head into your day. We're, we're building momentum here as a church family, walking together, following Jesus deeper into what he has for us, 
um, and really pressing into the things that God has for our life. And I want to just finish today with Emily Sharon. She, she as, as we were just kind of preparing this week, God spoke some things to her, um, and then she kind of led into this just declaration over Ezekiel 47. And I want you to just listen to this because I think it sets the stage for us really well as, as, as a church family as we go into this next phase. Well, part of that is we're really excited because next week you get to hear Pastor Zach over yeah, here. Yeah, come on. Um, preach. We're really excited for you guys to get to hear him. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to spend more time specifically in this passage in Ezekiel chapter 47 and spending time in the river in that prophecy. Um, so it's going to be a great word. So be here for sure next week. Um, and so, but it's interesting. I was telling Tim when I first read through the Bible a very long time ago, um, when I read, I was just doing a, I had a checklist and I was just bouncing around whatever one felt great. Some days I needed to just knock one off so I'd read Jude. You know, it's a one chapter uh, Bible or a book in the Bible. I can mark it off and it felt great. And so Ezekiel is one of the last books I went after on the list. It wasn't one that I was super excited about. Um, and as I read it, honestly, it was my least favorite chapter or least favorite book in the Bible. And I really wrestled with this book. Some of the things that God calls Ezekiel to as he submits and surrenders to the Lord's calling on his life really bothered me, to be frank. Like, it really bothered me, made me uncomfortable. And I was like, uh-uh, God, have you asked me to do that? <laughs> it's a whole other story with Emily. <laughs> but it really was a book that I didn't go back and read again for many, many years because I just, it really, for whatever reason, just was a hard book for me to read. And so, you know, as, as I've learned, Ezekiel really was kind of the low point in the Old Testament. And for the Israelites, it was really a low point and probably maybe the lowest point in the Old Testament as we read it. But the really beautiful thing about Ezekiel is it's a turning point. And it's where things start to change and, and God's pr prophetic word comes out for the future. Um, and there's this beautiful prophecy of the river and, and there's so much more in there. And so my heart has grown <laughs> in, its, in its love and, and, and respect and understanding of Ezekiel. And so, but as we specifically look at Ezekiel chapter 47 and, and this river that he's invited to go in, and then he goes in a little deeper and a little deeper, I think what we need to remember is a goal is that we get to the part where the river is over our heads. And that seems scary, but the goal is that we allow the river to control us. So the, the ultimate goal is that the river's will, his presence, his spirit's will overrides our will, and it's in control. And that's a really beautiful thing. And I think I just wanted to encourage everybody, and then as we hear Zach's message next week, is our goal is to be completely submerged in the river and his presence and allow him to lead and to guide us. It's a really freeing spot now, we fight it because we like control. <laughs> we fight it. But have a change in your perspective this week as you're praying. Think about the river in that perspective of going deeper and deeper and allowing God to be in control and allowing him to overwhelm us in the best ways possible and allowing his spirit to lead and guide our lives. How many of you know that God's ways are better? Sometimes it takes a lot for us to get to the place of saying that declaration because we experience things in life that are hard. And we're just not sure how to navigate that. But I just I, I want to invite you that trusting God with your life will be the best choice that, that you make. But here's the beautiful thing about following Jesus and following deeper into the river. He knows that there's some struggle going on inside of us. And he just says, take one more step. Just take one more step. Because he knows if he can get us into the deep water of the presence of God and we can be sustained by him, 
That's the safest place for us to be. And so I want to do this this morning. I just want to pray over us as a church family. We're going to jump into groups here in just a second. But I want, I want to pray over us as we begin this season of fasting and prayer, um, that our hearts would be turned towards what God wants to do in our lives. And we would come at it with great expectation, not fear, not anxiety, but expectation. God, you have some great things in store for us, for our family. Can I just tell you, God wants to give you some victory in some areas of your life this year. God wants to set some things right in your family and set some things right in some of your relationships. And He wants to help you to overcome some addictions and some things that have tried to own you. And He wants to bring you into places of freedom and, and joy in your life. We get to cooperate with Him in that place and trust Him in that journey, okay? And so I just want to take a moment and pray. And maybe you're here this morning or watching online and you've, you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, to put your trust in Him. And I just want you to know that is the safest place you will ever put your hand, your life is in the hands of the Creator. And He's just inviting you to take a step closer to Him this morning. So as I pray this morning, maybe you've, you've never made a commitment to following Christ. It's just as, simply as, as simple as saying, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need you. I believe in you. Would you come and work in my life? And Jesus will meet you in that moment. Um, and, and He'll walk with you, and He'll talk with you, and He'll connect you with people that can take you on that journey. So as I pray over you this morning, whether you find yourself as someone who is getting ready to embark in this next 21 days as a follower of Jesus, or, or, or you've never made a decision to follow Him, I just want you to know He's drawing near to you today, and He's good. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning? We don't often do this. I just want to kind of stand this morning and finish our time together in this way. So Father, we... Lord, we are just so grateful, God, that you have a way, Lord, that you're inviting us into. And Lord, as we stand in your presence today, God, it's really a declaration of saying, God, we're coming to you, or we're coming to what you're doing in our lives. And Lord, we recognize that we're going to need the empowerment of your Holy Spirit, God, to draw out of this all of the things that you have for us over these next 21 days. But God, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is more than able, Lord, to do a great work in us. And so, Lord, as we head into this time, God, we just present you our lives, God. Lord, we, Lord, we come before you and say, God, do what you want in us, Lord, that our lives would reflect you, Jesus, in this world. And Lord, we are asking for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We're asking for the clarity of your word in our lives, Lord. Lord, we're asking for a single-hearted mindset, God, as we go into the season of fasting and prayer, God, to seek after you. And Lord, we pray that we would just come deeper with you, each one of us, Lord. Lord, if we're ankle deep now, God, by the time we navigate through this season, God, may we find ourselves waist deep or, God, even just floating in the river of your presence, Lord. May you, Lord, just feel free to encounter us, God, while we're driving in our cars, we're home with our families, God, in whatever atmospheres we find ourselves in, Jesus, that we would be walking in your will and your way. Lord, And if there's those that are among us today, Lord, that are making a decision for you the first time, Lord, I pray that you would draw ever closer, Lord, to us, Lord. Jesus, you are wonderful. You are so good and so faithful to us. And Lord, as we head into this year, God, we come at it with great faith and expectation that you, God, are doing a great work in us, Lord. Lord, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your incredible blessing upon our lives. Lord, as we spend time in discussion this morning, God, may our hearts grow deeper in our commitment to follow after you. 
Lord, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from River Valley Church. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by it? Make sure to share it with them this week. Again, for more content from us, please check out our website at River Valley Board.